Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening, everyone. I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel, or it could be still afternoon or maybe morning. It could be any time of day, depending on where you live around the world. But welcome, everyone. Glad to have the Maverick family back together tonight. Quite a few news stories to uh, share with you. It's snowing. I'll tell you where. Winter has arrived in some places. Uh... It looks like, it looks like, well, let me just check here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we definitely have snow. Okay, I'll tell you where. And we have a member of provincial parliament in Ontario who has been ejected from caucus and reprimanded for online comments about the war in the Middle East. We'll bring you up to date on the situation in the Middle East. It looks like Hamas has released two more hostages. All this while there are concerns that one side in the conflict might be getting ready to use chemical weapons. That's the charge, the accusation tonight. And it looks like China is engaging in information warfare on a new level. They're targeting some Western politicians, apparently. So we'll take a look at that. And uh, also some fake news and pretty effective fake news at that all surrounding the situation between Israel and Palestine. So don't go away. I'll have that and a whole lot more coming up right after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. back and I know that some people are messaging me saying that YouTube is down. Yeah, I know. 
we're banded again. Uh, this time on one of the backup channels. So they don't like us too much over there on YouTube. They don't like us at all. Uh, sorry about that. <clears throat> I have a, kind of an idea what it was that got their shorts in a knot. But uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're still up and running on other channels. We do have uh, the other new YouTube channel that we're running on tonight. So if you're on YouTube, you can still find us on, uh, on our channel. It's called Maverick Live. So we're broadcasting over there. And we're on uh, our Rumble channels. So please like, share, subscribe. Subscribe over on Rumble. Uh, you can also contribute to the show over there uh, through the Rumble Rants. If you're able to do that, we sure would appreciate it. And we are up and running on Facebook tonight as well. And then afterward, uh, we'll be putting the uh, the archived rebroadcast up on uh, Twitch and Odyssey and CloudHub and BitChute. And we'll put some probably some shorter clips from tonight's broadcast on Twitter. Oh, yeah, we're on Twitter tonight, too, live. But we'll put shorter clips up on Twitter and uh, Truth Social and I don't know. I can't keep them all straight. But we're out there. We are out there. So YouTube can ban us if they want to, but we'll continue to plug away and work around the censorship. But uh, yeah, I do understand why they're doing it. And it's partly because of a story that we're going to cover later on in the broadcast. But first off, let's start with the snow, okay? Because let's just get it out of the way. Get the bad news. I think it's bad news. Out of the way. Let's just start with that. Let's take a look. A snowfall warning has actually been issued for some parts of Alberta, Canada. Here we go. Let's just scroll down the Twitter feed. Um, so I'll tell you this. It's uh, like in... Calgary this morning, people woke up to freezing drizzle. Uh, temperatures began to fall overnight. And now people there are looking at uh, a snowfall accumulation that is probably going to hit somewhere between 10 and 15 centimeters. That's pretty substantial. And uh, it's coming early this year. It's only the 23rd of October. Uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, even out in Alberta, this is still fairly early. They get snow out there before we get it out here in uh, Southern Ontario and Canada's sun parlor, but out there, yeah, even, even for them, it's early for this time of year. So here's what, what it looked like here. Just a smattering of snow there, but oh, there's, but wait, there's more. That's not so bad, but how about this snowfall warning from the Alberta government? Yeah. But how about this? It says here, Daisy the Multipalm. This, uh, this is Daisy. She seems to have her own Twitter account. 
says, uh, friends, it snowed last night. Everything changed in one day. The best part is it's not cold for Alberta, so I can play in it. I feel like a little polar bear again. I love snow. There's Daisy. Hello. Dogs. There we go. There's a little. There's a little snowfall from Alberta. This is the global news, mainstream media report. Picture's not showing up. That's okay. Personally, I find this very depressing. <laughs> I think it's terrible. And here it is. It says uh, snowfall, snow falling in northwestern Alberta from Manning down to Grand Prairie and could be heavy at times. So drive accordingly and take the necessary precautions. Oh, yes, it's chilly. All right. It's chilly, Heidi. It's chilly. It is chilly. Here's Corey Robertson, brisk in center, Alberta. It is about to get a whole lot. It is currently around zero degrees in central Alberta at the moment. And it is about to get a whole lot colder. It is currently around zero degrees in central Alberta at the moment. And it is about to get a whole lot colder as we do have an Arctic front that will be making its way into the province late today into tomorrow, mixing with moisture from the Pacific to also bring us some snow. So make sure to adjust your driving to the conditions as the roads will be quite a bit different than what we've been used to. And there's a guy on a bike. <laughs> yep. I hope he has snow tires for his but for his for his bicycle. I hope he does. <laughs> oh, here's some cows. Do you like cows? How about some moo cows with a smattering of snow? <laughs> oh, the poor cows. They don't seem to mind though. Oh, yes. And here's swan and snow geese. There they are migrating. Go south, young geese and old geese alike. Welcome to Canada. Get the heck out of here. Time to head south. Yes, that's right. Snow. Snow. Yeah, a little early for a white Christmas. little early for a white Christmas. It's only October. We haven't even had Halloween yet. Oh, well. Anyway, it's not a disaster or anything. It's just, uh, it's just Canada. But I thought you might be interested in that. I am. Thank you, Chris, too, for calling. Chris phoned and she let me know about the snow. So that was nice of Chris to do that. I wasn't really, wasn't on my Maverick radar. 
but somebody out there has their weather radar on. So we were on top of the story for you tonight. Uh, what else do we have for you? Okay. So we are looking tonight at uh, breaking news out of Canada still, where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and numerous members of Parliament have come under a targeted thing called, it's calling, it's being called spamiflage, a spamiflage campaign connected to China. That's what the intelligence agencies up here are saying. The campaign involved a bot network, apparently, flooding their social media accounts with nefarious claims. So here are the details on that. According to a statement from Global Affairs Canada, the federal government's rapid response mechanism detected this campaign, which it attributes to the PRC, the People's Republic of China. The operation began in early August and escalated significantly over the long weekend in September. This extensive campaign affected MPs across Canada, spanning the political spectrum, with comments appearing in both English and French on their Facebook and other social media accounts. Uh, the flood of posts claimed that a critic of the Chinese Communist Party in Canada had accused these members of parliament of criminal and ethical violations, including the use of deep fake videos. The targeted individuals included conservative leader Pierre Polyev, several cabinet ministers as well. However, Global Affairs Canada uh, has uh, assured the public tonight that the observed activity did not pose a direct safety risk to the affected MPs. Uh, Liberal Member of Parliament Omar Algebra uh, was one of the targeted politicians, and he says that he received repetitive social media messages directing his followers to negative information about him. He initially considered it spam, but now acknowledges that it was orchestrated. The term spamouflage is described as a tactic that uses networks of new or hijacked social media accounts to post and amplify propaganda messages across multiple platforms. The campaign's goal was to discredit and denigrate MPs through seemingly organic posts and to silence criticism of the Chinese Communist Party. Defense Minister Bill Blair informed reporters today that Canadian cybersecurity experts are investigating the extent of the targeting of Canadian government officials. I'm just going to check something here with regard to this. Just go back over here. Um, okay, so we'll be going to that in a second. Sort of related, but separate. You don't know what I'm looking at, but I'll fill you in in a moment. Um, so the same bot network networks I just mentioned previously have been employed in the past to spread disinformation, according to the government. After reaching out to Meta and the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, which is now X, GAC reported that the much that much of this recent activity is in the process of being removed. In August, the same foreign interference monitoring system detected an information operation targeting the Conservative Member of Parliament, Michael Chong, 
on the Chinese instant messaging platform WeChat. In response to these developments, affected parliamentarians have been offered briefings with federal officials on their findings, and all MPs have been made aware of the campaign and provided advice on how to protect themselves. GAC emphasized that such campaigns can undermine Canada's democracy and discourage MPs from speaking out. As for what happens next, well, there is no indication that the Canadian government plans to take further action regarding this spamouflage campaign. However, it's uh, worth noting here that a public inquiry into foreign interference by China and other state actors is still underway. And we have reported on that previously. And we'll continue to follow that story. Now, also today, Defense Minister Bill Blair in Canada still provided an update on the situation in the Middle East. And uh, since we were just talking about Bill Blair in the context of this spamouflage story, we'll go to his news conference now. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy to answer your questions. Oh, no, no, okay. I'm well, I, I'll make, a, I'll make no, one if you'd like, Eric. We'll, we'll take more questions. Could you give us a, a statement on the reports of 50 dual nationals being released as hostages? iNews is reporting that. Are there Canadians involved? Is Canada aware of this? Right now, we there are two Canadians who are still reported missing, and we're working with uh, other nations and, and allies in the region. We're, we are calling for the release of all um, hostages at this point. Um, I do not have any information that to, co to confirm or corroborate uh, what you've just asked me. So I'll, I'll await that information. But you're not able to say that it's not happening? What's that? No, no, I, I can't confirm more. No, I, I'm just not aware of it. I haven't been briefed on that. Okay. Minister Blair, what do you make of Basic Director Vigneault's comments that they've blocked the PRC from acquiring certain locations near strategic assets in Canada? And again, I, I actually watched uh, Director Vigneault's comments on 60 Minutes yesterday. I am quite familiar with the work that Canada has done to protect our national interests, uh, the protection of, of critical infrastructure, and um, I'm, I'm not going to talk in any, in any detail about um, the, the, uh, the intelligence we've relied upon or even actions that have been taken, but I can confirm that we remain very vigilant in protecting Canada's interests with respect to um, the hostile activities of, 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 of several countries, but in particular, the People's Republic of China. Rough timeline of when that took place, when they were blocked. Uh, I, I can tell you, I've I've been a member of this cabinet now for um, over six years, and and we have engaged in many uh, such actions over the past um, six years. Regarding the spamouflage, um, Gak says that deepfake videos were used. What what can you tell us about the deepfake videos and how they were used? Well, uh, again, there's an analysis taking place. I just came from CSE and our cybersecurity center, and, the, and they are doing the work now to determine exactly um, what may have been compromised and, and ways, the steps that we will be necessary to take in order to protect uh, our information systems. We know that there has been some targeting of, 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 of Canadian government and, and government officials. Um, we're still determining what the full extent of, of that is, and, and we'll have more to say as, as that information and the analysis, which is being done at the cybersecurity center. What, what else do they a possible foreign interference, whether by a government or not. 
shouldn't things like that be part of Judge Ogg's mandate? She's going to be only going to study what happens during elections, but election interference happens 365 days a week. So why not extend her mandate? Well, well, first of all, I think Judge Hogue has a, a fairly broad mandate to examine political interference. But I think, I, I don't want to get ahead of the investigation at this point um, to the point of attribution. I think there's important work that our officials have to, to complete um, in order to be able to attribute um, responsibility for this. There are there are certainly hostile state actors who may be engaged in this, but there are also other non-state actors who sometimes engage in such behavior. And so I think it's appropriate to, to allow our officials to conduct their investigation and then listen very carefully to how they may be able to attribute responsibility for that. On Israel, one at a time, guys, and I'll, I'll stay as long as I can, but I do have to be in there for two times. Canadians, uh, if Canadians stranded in Lebanon, if it comes to that, where are we in terms of planning for any kind of air bridge, land bridge, or sea bridge to get to? Yeah, I, I, I can tell you, just being proactive and, and under an abundance of, of caution, we're, we, we remember well our, our previous experience in 2006. The Canadian Armed Forces have deployed, um, along with IRCC and the, the, the Global Affairs, have uh, deployed resources into Lebanon, but also into, into Cyprus. Um, we are working in preparation and planning um, for, for what may be required of us. Um, we are also have been encouraging, there are still commercial flights, for example, going um, from Lebanon. We've encouraged those Canadian citizens uh, resident in, in or, or in Lebanon at the present time to use commercial flights while they remain available. Um, but if those flights be, be, are not subsequently available, um, in the event of, of future developments, um, we're making sure we're doing the work now to get ready. Can you clarify, though? Can you clarify? On, uh, the timing of the, the statement Saturday night, that's a weird timing, right? Uh, uh, during the weekend, at night, was there uh, any... There was, the, the, the timing was... Was there delays the, for... Uh, the, the, the report that was completed by the Canadian Armed Forces, I was briefed on it. We then made arrangements to brief the Prime Minister. It's absolutely important to bring it uh, to his attention. When that was done, we then went... To, to work for the, the, the public release of documents. All that work took some time. Um, I, I, listen, I acknowledge that, that I, I put that out uh, rather late on a Saturday night. It was, there was no intent. I wanted it to be public as, as quickly as we had it available. All that work was completed on Saturday evening. We made it available. Can you clarify though on that, why then are the initial statements from the Prime Minister and Melanie Jolie still in the public domain? Melanie Jolie tweeted that bombing a hospital is illegal. You have clearly said from your own department's analysis that this was something from within Gaza. So why is the government's statements on it being illegal still up there if Israel is not to blame? On behalf of the government of Canada, I've released uh, uh, the findings of an independent uh, uh, analysis that was done by the Canadian Armed Forces and our the, the CAF Intelligence uh, Command. We believe that that analysis um, is, is, is well informed by by the work of the CAF on open source. Right. I'm not questioning um, your analysis, I'm questioning why the previous statements are still standing and still in the public domain. Well, what, what was said previously will remain in the public domain, but but I think it was important that, that we do that analysis and that we provide- So the government um, doesn't believe that it was illegal anymore? Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm just saying what we believe is that that rocket um, did not originate from, it's, 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 it's highly unlikely. We say with a high degree of confidence that it was it was not fired from Israel. It's far more likely, based on our analysis, that it originated in Gaza. Um, it, it, it still resulted so in a tragic loss of life, and 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 frankly, 
the loss of innocent life concerns us. And, but well, we, what happened to the government retracted those initial statements then? And again, we provided, a, I think, a, a very clear, anal clear analysis and determination of what we believe happened here. Just coming back to, to Lebanon, is there plans for any kind of sea lift? We, we used boats the last time, 2006. Yes, we we, we're, we're looking at, at every eventuality. Um, we, we know that in previous conflicts, for example, the, the, the uh, airport in Beirut was not available to us. And so we're looking at every, every option, uh, every eventuality. The Canadian Armed Forces are doing that planning work now. Um, and, and we want to make sure that should and if they be required, that we're ready to help Canadians. Any, any, how many CAF members are there? How I many never, I never give out the number, but we have a substantial number of, of CAF members in, in the region, and they're doing the important work that needs to be done. And when will we have an update on the hostages? Are you expecting another update today? If I get more information, I'll happily come back to you and share it. Okay, thank you. Okay. I'll be right back with more after this. Okay, so we do have a significant development in the Middle East. Hamas has released two more hostages, bringing relief to some families while leaving hundreds of others still in agonizing uncertainty. The two hostages have been identified as Yurit Yitzhak and Yokoved Lifshitz. Hamas, through its military wing, has announced their release, citing compelling humanitarian reasons. Those are their words. Although, in, although we have not been able to, hang on a second here, check in my notes. Okay, so it does look like they've released two. Um, the International Committee of the Red Cross played a pivotal role in facilitating the release of the captives and their subsequent transport out of Gaza. Uh, Red Cross officials have expressed hope for their speedy reunification with their families, loved ones. Uh, so this follows the release of two Americans, Judith Ronan and her teenage daughter, Natalie, that we told you about the other night, who had been held captive by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Notably, uh, they are related to a couple of Israeli-based journalists, or at least to, I think, who are they related to? It's Norm Martin Fletcher of NBC News, who is based in Israel. Um, so the initial hostage-taking occurred 
Of course, after that Hamas attack on October 7th, which resulted in more than a thousand casualties, as reported by Israeli defense forces, the conflict has persisted between Israel and Hamas, of course, marked by Israeli retaliatory airstrikes now in Gaza, which have resulted in additional deaths, at least 5,000 people as of today have been killed in the Palestinian area in Gaza. Hamas has stated it does not have custody of all the hostages, with some being held by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is another militant group based in Gaza. Israel has consistently demanded the release of all individuals taken on October 7th, while Hamas has maintained that it will only free its captives when Israeli airstrikes in Gaza cease. So this is, uh, has become a protracted hostage crisis. And I think that it could become a political liability for Joe Biden if it drags on. I don't think it has hurt him yet, but at some point it could. Memories of the Jimmy Carter era and the Iran hostage crisis that he faced come to mind. The Hostages and Missing Families Forum established in the aftermath of the October 7th attack is welcoming the safe return of the hostages released today. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has praised the release of the hostages today while also expressing skepticism about further releases, stating that all hostages need to be released unconditionally. And you just heard Bill Blair from Canada echoing those comments loosely, saying that Canada is also calling for the release of all hostages. And President Biden has also echoed those same sentiments, underlining the importance of securing the release of the hostages before discussing a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas conflict. Now, I think we can go to the White House now to news conference with John Kirby on this. And I think they're going to address this very subject. Here we go. Here we go. Two Americans that have been taken hostage by Hamas. Uh, during the said, just recapping, talk about two released on Friday. Chance to speak with them and with their families. As he told other families uh, that he met in Tel Aviv, family members of others who have who have been taken hostage. We uh, we have no higher higher priority than the safety of Americans that are being held around the world, and we're going to continue around the clock to see if we can get them home with their families where they belong. It is literally an hour by hour effort here at the White House and at the State Department to find out where these folks are and to try to make uh, the, the effort to, to get them out and get them back. Uh, as Kareem just spoke about, of course, first convoys over the weekend of humanitarian assistance across that border and was able to reach Palestinians in, in need. And as she also said, we're gonna continue those efforts uh, going forward. It's important that the aid be sustainable and that's what we're focused on. 
And of course, throughout the weekend, the president received briefings from his national security team on all the latest developments. Uh, and yesterday, as you know, he convened calls with Prime Minister Netanyahu, His Holiness, Pope Francis, and then of course with the leaders of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and the United Kingdom. I'm sure you all saw the joint statement uh, from all those leaders uh, that they released last night. I won't uh, reiterate it, but you can hopefully take away from that a, a real clear consistency and unanimity uh, for Israel's right to defend itself against terrorism, while of course adhering to international humanitarian law, including the protection of civilians. Now, we've also seen uh, over the course of the last few days, actually the course of the last week, but certainly over the last uh, couple of days of the weekend, an uptick in rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. And we're deeply concerned about the potential for any significant escalation of these attacks in the days ahead. At the direction of President Biden, the Secretary of Defense has ordered the military to take steps to prepare for this to ensure that we're postured appropriately, both in terms of being able to defend our forces and respond decisively as needed. Secretary of Defense has directed two carrier strike groups to the region, and we are now sending more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Now, we know these groups are supported by the IRGC and the regime. We know Iran continues to support Hamas and Hezbollah. And we know that Iran is closely monitoring these events, and in some cases, actively facilitating these attacks and spurring on others who may want to exploit the conflict for their own good or for that of Iran. We know Iran's goal is to maintain some level of deniability here, but we're not going to allow them to do that. We also are not going to allow any threat to our interest in the region to go unchallenged. We demonstrated last, we demonstrated last week that we have and will use the military capabilities available to us to protect and defend those interests. And those capabilities are getting bigger and better every day. As President Biden has said, our message to any hostile actor seeking to escalate or widen this conflict is very simple. Don't do it. That takes some questions. Um, John, is it your view that the Israelis should begin their Gaza offensive whenever they feel ready? It's our view that the Israeli Defense Forces, Steve, need to decide for themselves how they're going to conduct operations. We're not in the business of, of uh, dictating terms to them, and we're certainly not going to be in the business here from the White House of uh, previewing um, any, any future operations one way or the other. That would be inappropriate. Secondly, you said that Iran is actively facilitating these attacks. What are you seeing? What, what, are, what exactly are they doing? Oh, their support for these Iran-backed proxies uh, uh, is, is no secret. Um, it's pretty open. Uh, and they've tried to make, they've made no secret of it, uh, funding, resourcing in terms of providing the, the rockets and, and the uh, uh, and the munitions that they fire, training for some of these guys. Uh, I mean, there is a there is a connection between these these groups and the IRGC, a very direct connection. The, we have reported that the administration um, has been urging Israel to delay a ground invasion. Can you tell us whether other countries are making the same request? Is there a coordinated effort? On I won't, uh, MJ, I won't speak for other nations and what communications they might be having with Israel. I can tell you, uh, we have since the beginning of the conflict, in the early hours, maintained a level of communication with our Israeli counterparts to ascertain their intentions, their strategy, their aims, to, to see what their answers are to the kinds of tough questions that any military ought to be asking before you 
launch any kind of a major operation? Have you thought through the branches? Have you thought through the sequels? Have you thought through the unintended consequences? Uh, and so we are in active conversation with them about that. And, um, we've seen um, a number of uh, leaders travel to Israel or commit to traveling to Israel, of course, the president himself. Is it your understanding that there would not be a ground invasion as long as there's a head of state in the country? That is, that is a question for Israeli officials to speak to, MJ. Again, uh, I, I, I just don't want to be in the position where I am speaking for the Israeli Defense Forces. Well, another quick topic. Um, why is it that people currently are not able to leave Gaza right now? Do you have sort of an explanation as to why that humanitarian corridor for people to exit Gaza, why that isn't open? Is the obstacle Hamas? Is it the Egyptians? I think there's a lot of factors going into why there's no exit out. We're, we're glad that stuff's going in, as Kareem briefed y'all, but uh, but we still want to see safe passage out, and particularly for the several hundred American citizens that we know are in Gaza and want to leave. And Ambassador Satterfield is on the ground working this very, very hard. But there's a number of, of, of factors, and I think security, certainly Egyptian officials have have, have spoken to this. I mean, there's a, you know, they, they've got legitimate security concerns. And again, we just need to, we just need to work through that. Admiral, can you tell us uh, the latest on the status of hostages and the work to try to release additional hostages? Do you see a category of those being held who might be sort of the next available to be released if that were to take place? Can you give us a sense of what that picture looks like? I wish I could, Kelly. I really do. And these are all great questions, but unfortunately where we are right now in the process makes it impossible for us to publicly detail the efforts that are going on. We are grateful for all the help we got, and we got help getting those two Americans out, the, the mother and daughter, and we're, we're glad that uh, that they're okay and, and they're you know going to be reunited with the families and, and come back home. But there's a bunch of others that aren't now a small group we still we still think are americans and then there are dozens and dozens from other countries and obviously israel as well and th there's just a lot of effort going on a lot of conversations and discussions with partners in the region and and uh, i think it's just best if we don't detail that do we have more specificity on the number of americans it's floated from a handful to as many as 10 anything more on that i, I want to be careful here because the numbers as you rightly said have fluctuated since the last time i talked to you um, uh, certainly now we're glad to know that the number is less than less down by two, obviously. Um, but we still have about 10 unaccounted for Americans. And it's, it's not exactly clear to us where those 10 people are. So I would still categorize it as about a handful. But and I know that's not the specificity you want, but that's really as as uh, detailed as I think I should, should get today. One last issue. There's a, a dual national from Maryland young man who went to serve the IDF who was killed in action. Can you speak to uh, that situation, if the president has reached the family or has any intention to do that? Any particulars there? Well, we certainly offer our deepest condolences to the family. That's that's news no, no mom and dad ever want to get. Um, I don't have any communication to, to speak to one way or the other. But again, our, our, our thoughts and prayers go to the family, sure. Um, John, on a post-Hamas Gaza, if that were to happen, is there anything that you can share on what conversations the U.S. is having on what that post-Hamas Gaza would look like and who would run things? Really, that's going to be uh, a conversation that uh, Israeli officials you know, need to start having amongst themselves. And um, I think, again, without speaking for them, I don't think I'm going too far to, to say that the, the focus right now is on going after Hamas, where they are in Gaza, 
getting humanitarian assistance in, getting people out. That's where our focus is. And, and I know the focus of this, our Israeli counterparts is certainly on prosecuting these operations against Hamas. I think um, I, I, the, the issue of governance in Gaza certainly um, is not unimportant, but I, I wouldn't speak for the Israelis in terms of how deeply they're diving down into what that, what that needs to look like. Is helping with that conversation, uh, we we have had we have talked to uh, the Israelis again about their aims and strategy, and that includes some of the long term issues that that are out ahead of them. But I think you can understand appropriately right now that the focus is on the operational picture. On the normalization process, can you say if Saudi Arabia has provided a list of requests for what it would like to see for that those talks to start again between Saudi Arabia and Israel? I'm not tracking or aware of a specific threat. Now you're talking post October 7th. I'm not aware of a, some sort of new list or homework assignment that they've submitted. We still believe that those talks are important. We still want to pursue normalization. We understand that both in Israel and of course in, in Riyadh, there's a different focus right now. We get that, but we still believe there's great value in pursuing normalization and we have every intention uh, of, of keeping that going. Thank you, Admiral. Um, what kinds of humanitarian aid would the U.S. like to see reaching the Palestinians before Israel launches a ground invasion? Let's, can I bifurcate that question? Because I don't, I'm not going to sit here and assume that there's going to be some sort of a ground invasion. And I'm certainly not going to speak to hypothetical timing if there's going to be. Let's just talk about humanitarian assistance writ large. And you heard Kareem, we are getting food, water, medicine in uh, to, to Gaza, not enough. I mean, there's been, I think, what, uh, three convoys, um, some little less than 60 trucks. That's a good start, but it is just a start. We want to see it keep going. And I think over coming days, you're going to continue to see convoys of trucks getting in. Uh, but it's also, you know, uh, fuel is also an issue. Uh, we know um, that you need fuel to run the power generators in hospitals. You need fuel to run the pumps and in the desalination uh, facilities so that people can drink fresh uh, healthy water. So fuel is another thing that we're that we're working on. Whether or not there is a ground invasion, do you view humanitarian aid getting there first as important? Whether or not there's a ground invasion, we believe that humanitarian assistance flowing to the people of Gaza is critically important and it needs to go as soon as possible and as much as possible. But where does the president stand on this? Because there was some confusion over the weekend about whether or not he had said that yes, he does want Israel to wait until human assistance, humanitarian assistance can get to the Palestinians before any invasion. We have been we have been crystal clear uh, with our partners in the region, including Israel, that we want to see humanitarian assistance flow. There's been no change to our posture on that at all. But as I said, I think to Steve's question, we're not dictating military terms to the Israeli Defense Forces. They have a right and a responsibility to go after these terrorists. And they certainly are, are going to do it in a way that they choose to, uh, that they believe is appropriate to the threat. We're definitely going to support them in terms of providing the capabilities for them to continue to prosecute Hamas terrorists. In fact, security assistance has continued to flow uh, over the course of the weekend, and it will. But we're not dictating terms to them. So the, thank you. So the UN Secretary General, the European Union Foreign Policy Chief, and several international leaders are calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. Will we see the United States calling for a humanitarian pause? What we want right now is make sure Israel has the tools it needs to defend itself and to go after Hamas. 
and that humanitarian assistance keeps flowing. Now it's started and it's a good thing. We want to keep it going and keep it sustainable. That's what we're focused on. Sorry, you mentioned this joint statement yesterday where President Biden and several Western allies asked Israel to protect civilians. But the death toll in Gaza is rising sharply. Uh, does it look to you that Israel is abiding by international law? Are they listening to your advice? We're not going to parcel out each and every event that happens on the battlefield, especially since we're not there. I can just tell you that there hasn't been a conversation that we've had with Israeli counterparts, and we've had them at all levels, where we aren't talking about not just what they want to do, but how they want to do it. John, two Fridays ago, I reported that the U.S. was urging Israel to delay a ground invasion. The day after, the officials here issued statements to other outlets denying that, that was the case. In the days, week plus since, other outlets have started to report the same information that I had, but today you're not confirming any of those reports. My question is, are you at all concerned that if the U.S. is not clear with the public about what we are asking or suggesting to Israel that they do here, that that's going to complicate getting this aid package through Congress? I mean, you guys are asking for more than $105 billion, uh, which a portion of this goes toward Israel. Are, are you concerned that not being clear with folks about what the U.S. is advising Israel to do will hamper support in Congress for this aid? We've been very clear and consistent about um, our support for Israel uh, and their ability to defend themselves. Jackie, we've been very clear and consistent about the fact that we're going to keep providing security assistance so that they can do that. We've been clear and consistent about the need for humanitarian assistance to flow and clear and consistent about our desire to get people out of Gaza as well as to get our hostages home. I think we've been very clear and consistent throughout, and that includes with members of Congress. And yes, we are going to need congressional support to continue to support Israel. We've got enough appropriations available to us for a while longer. Well, how long is that while is going to depend on the expenditure rate and the kinds of operations that they're conducting. So we desperately need Congress to act on the supplemental request. You said you were, you've been asking tough questions about, of the Israelis about their strategy here. Are you liking the answers that they're giving you? No, I'm not going to talk about the details of the conversations that we're having. Uh, again, these have been clear and consistent conversations. Uh, again, making sure that they have what they need um, and, that they, and that they are thinking through that we are asking them what their answers are to the kinds of questions that any military ought to be asking itself uh, as it conducts operations. But on, the, on the aid portion, you know, how, for instance, are you going to convince people that this is not going to get into Hamas's hands uh, yeah. when, for instance, you know, we saw fraud with something like COVID relief money in the U.S. Um, and we're now talking about securing an understanding with Hamas, a terror group, about how this humanitarian aid should be used. I mean, how can you convince people that that is going to be a worthwhile, necessary, and secure endeavor? We certainly share concerns about any diversion of humanitarian assistance for Hamas purposes. I mean, for instance, fuel is a good example. You know, that uh, we know that they need fuel to be able to uh, electrify and to power up uh, their tunnels, for instance, you know, keep the lights on. So we, we understand that. We're, we're not blind to the potential... Uh, concerns here uh, over diversion, which is why Ambassador Satterfield is on the ground. His whole purpose is to make sure that that humanitarian assistance can get to the Palestinian people. We have seen no indications as of today that any of the trucks that Kareem talked about, any of the material in those trucks, have been diverted to Hamas or been absconded by Hamas that 
Uh, in fact, every indication that we have is that it has, in fact, gone to uh, to the Palestinian people who who are are in desperate need for it. I would remind folks that we have trusted partners on the ground, humanitarian aid organizations, and of course the UN Relief Agency is on the ground, and they very much are taking. Uh, uh, a personal stake, a professional personal stake, in making sure that that aid is getting uh, where it's needed. Uh, we're gonna, and we're going to watch it. Obviously, we're going to watch this closely. We we don't want to see Hamas benefit any more than anybody else does. Just following on that, um, how does the U.S. go about knowing that it is getting to who it's supposed? The aid is getting to who it's supposed to get to, and not Hamas isn't taking a bit off the top. And then second, could you um, confirm that um, the president has um, sent uh, Lieutenant uh, General James Blinn and some other folks um, to um, advise the Israelis? So on your first question, Amr, uh, in fact, I'm going to write these down because I'm going to probably forget. <laughs> but on your first question, uh, as I said, we're working with trusted partners on the ground, including the UN. And uh, uh, that's the way we we do it in so many countries around the world where we don't have a footprint and we don't have a or any regions of the world we just where we don't have a footprint i mean we're not on the ground to personally inspect these things but we do have trusted partners on the ground including the un and some of these aid organizations who will report uh what they're seeing and and where they're taking this uh material and uh and who and who's getting it so we're we'll stay in close touch with them and um, we all share the same desire that Hamas not be able to divert any of this stuff for their own purposes. We all share that. And it's not just the United States. You said, how's the United States going to monitor? The whole international community has a stake here in making sure that uh, the, the people of Gaza get this food, water, medicine, and um, and, and other vital needs uh, met. Um, on the, your second question, uh, what I can tell you is that, um, that there are uh, a few... Um, Relevant military officers with experience, the kinds of experience that uh, that uh, that we believe uh, um, is a, is appropriate to uh, the sorts of operations that that Israel is conducting and may conduct in the future, uh, to go over there to share some perspectives from their own experience and to ask the hard questions, the same hard questions that we've been asking of our Israeli counterparts since the beginning. How many? Uh, a, a few. A few. Uh, thank you, Admiral. Israel has repeatedly said that its top priority is destroying Hamas. So what is America's top priority? And are the two countries on the same page here? America's top priority? I think President Biden made that clear when we were over there, is to make sure that Israel has the tools and the capacity and the capabilities to go after Hamas terrorists and to make sure humanitarian assistance flows in and to make sure we can get uh, innocent civilians who want to leave Gaza out, including American citizens. Does begin this ground invasion? Could you just outline how this would complicate getting the remaining hostages out and how it would impact America's strategy? Again, I just don't think it's wise for me to get up here and, and, and do a bunch of speculating and hypothesizing about operations that haven't happened yet. Uh, we'll let the Israelis speak for themselves and for what operations they're going to conduct. All I can tell you is we're going to make sure that they have what they need to do it and that the humanitarian assistance keeps flowing. Well, are there any differences? Because you outlined three top priorities for America, and Israel has repeatedly said the top priority is destroying Hamas. So how can you achieve all of the priorities from America at the same time Israel gets their top priority? We agree that the top priority has got to be going after Hamas. I, I, there's, no, there's no daylight here. We also think it's important for humanitarian assistance to flow and for our hostages to get home with their families, and we're working all three of those things. Way in the back. Thank you. 
have you been tracking new reporting coming out that uh, Hamas and the Red Cross are working together to exchange another 50 Israeli and dual citizenship hostages? Is there anything you can say about that? No, I cannot. Um, and then another question on Iran. Um, some <clears throat> officials have expressed concern over escalation, particularly uh, with Iran, and Iran's foreign minister warned, quote, anything would be possible at any moment and the region will get out of control. So have you seen any indication that Iran is preparing to further expand this conflict more so than what we've already seen? I touched a little bit on that in my opening statement. We know that they're supporting these groups. We know they've supported Hamas and Hezbollah. We know they're monitoring these events very, very closely and in some cases urging on some of these groups. Um, and that's why I made it clear uh, the president wants to, does not want to see this conflict widen. We have added additional military capability into the region to deter any such action. And we will act appropriately to protect and defend our national security interests in the, re security interests in the region. You saw that just last week when a guided missile destroyer shot down missiles and drones that were uh, potentially on their way uh, into Israel. We, we take those responsibilities seriously. And anybody else in the region ought to be paying attention to that. Thank you, Gary. Uh, John, do you have an update on whether Iran was directly involved in the October 7th attack on Israel? Because some Israeli officials say that they, they have evidence, but they have not presented any yet. Yeah, I, I would say we're in the same place we were. We know there's complicity here by Iran. As I just said, they've been supporting Hamas for years, a, a couple of decades, and Hamas wouldn't be able to function or exist without Iran. But um, I can't stand here before you and say that we've seen a particular piece of intelligence that that shows that they were participating in, witting of, directing uh, what happened on October 7th. But again, nobody's doubting, nobody's walking away from the fact that Iran does bad things with bad people in that part of the world. Uh, how does the White House see um, China's role in the uh, Israel-Hamas conflict? And what's your reaction to China sending six warships to like the Middle East? Uh, I'll let China speak for their foreign policy in the region and uh, uh, and whatever their their take is. I, I I've seen them call for both sides to to ratchet down the the violence. Uh, we've we've been clear about where we are, and we're on Israel's side here. Israel needs this support to go after Hamas terrorists. That's not going to change. And I'll let them speak to their naval maneuvers and, and where they're putting their ships. China or Russia on uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict? Uh, I, I know of no particular conversations we've had you know, bilaterally with either country thus far. John, um, speaking of the Americans in Gaza, some are being told that by the State Department, by the administration, to go to the border. We were told on Saturday they were told to go to the border, but they obviously could not leave. Are you still advising Americans to go to the border? You know, what's the hold up there? Uh, you have to talk to the State Department. Uh, I, I, I can't speak for the communication that they're having with American citizens there. Um, what I can tell you is that we are working this very, very hard to get them out of Gaza again through that through, through Rafa. And Ambassador Satterfield literally is working this as you and I are speaking right now. Um, and so we obviously, if we, if we want to get them out, uh, we want to have them available as close by as possible so that that can be affected in a very efficient way. Uh, but as for what specific messages the State Department is sending today and Monday, you'd have to talk to them. Uh, speaking about what President Biden said on Friday at the, the fundraiser, he talked about the Hamas attack being carried out to disrupt the normalization efforts between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Can you talk more about what he meant by that? Is that the administration's position? We certainly can't discount the fact that that, that could have been that could have been a goal here. Um, I mean, uh, look, Hamas wants to wipe 
Israel off the map. They simply just want to kill as many Israelis as they can. Um, that was the purpose of October 7th, uh, to just take life. Um, and it is perfectly possible that uh, that uh, there were other geopolitical goals here, as the president uh, alluded to, because normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia, uh, you can see that that would not be in the interest of uh, terrorist groups like Hamas. It cer Hamas it certainly wouldn't be in the interest of uh, of their backer in Tehran. Do you think that's the top reason why they did it? I, I, I can't specify specifically what the top reason. I'm not I'm not in the minds of the, the terrorists, but the, the president was certainly laying out um, uh, a very real potential uh, factor behind what they did. The president has um, spoken a lot about um, you know, the work he's done in building a coalition behind behind Ukraine uh, and supporting Ukraine. Are there any concerns that um, U.S. support for uh, Israel and, and uh, you know, as civilian casualties rise in Gaza, is there any concern that that could undermine support for the U.S. stance on Ukraine um, with countries in the global south, for example, in for Brazil, uh, in Asia and Africa, um, who, you know, might be, uh, you know, in terms of their, uh, you know, their views on, uh, on, on Gaza? Supporting both right now, both countries, is important to President Biden. That's why we submitted that supplemental funding request last week. Um, it's important that both get the support that they need, uh, not just from the United States, but from the international community. And uh, and we're we're dedicated to that outcome. We're going to stay dedicated to that to that effort. Yes, uh, I wanted to ask about if there are concerns in the administration in regards to this funding that you guys requested for Congress, given the fact that some of the leadership in the Republican Congress is saying that they would like to approve only a package for Israel and a separate package for Ukraine. Yeah, I'll let the members of Congress speak for themselves in terms of how they want to move this supplemental request forward. We submitted together because we believe all of it is important. Every dollar that we ask for for the supplemental funding is of an urgent nature. Uh, and we urge Congress to move on all of it as quickly as possible. Thank you. Um, with regards to American hostages, you noted that there were conversations and discussions with partners in the region. And on Friday, after those two Americans were thankfully freed, the president uh, thanked the Israelis and Qataris uh, for their partnership in this work. Are the Israelis or Qataris negotiating with Hamas on our behalf? And would the United States ever negotiate with Hamas in order to? I'm not going to go any more detail about the discussions and the negotiations to get those Americans home. If I were to do that for you today, I might actually put at risk uh, opportunities to get more people out, and I'm just not going to do that. Second question: There's been an uptick um, on the right among some Republicans who have called for um, students or foreign nationals who are demonstrating uh, in some of these pro-Palestine demonstrations or you know, allegedly pro-Hamas demonstrations to have their student visas pulled or face deportation. What is the administration's remark, uh, response to those kinds of remarks and that kind of rhetoric? I, I, would just tell you, I would just tell you that you don't have to agree with every sentiment that's expressed in a free country like this uh, to, um, to stand by the, 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 idea, the First Amendment and the idea of peaceful protest. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, can you talk about the degree to which uh, uh, the, your efforts to get the supplemental funding and work on the crisis are complicated by the uh, fact that we still don't have a speaker after all these days. Uh, it would certainly be helpful to have a speaker of the House um, uh, procedurally. Well, that's uh, that's how you get 
new legislation to the to the floor. I'll let our I'll let the House Republicans speak to their process uh, uh, and what they're they're doing. Uh, we know that there is significant bipartisan support for continuing to support Ukraine and continuing to support Israel. Both chambers, by the way, uh, we know there's a lot of bipartisan support there. The president is urging Congress to act as soon as possible. Okay, a couple more. Thank you, G. Uh, Mr. John, uh, we've seen that the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in his last trip to northern Israel is threatening the whole whole Lebanon if, if Hezbollah enters the war from the uh, uh, north front. But you know very well that the Lebanese people has no uh, like no power over writing Hezbollah's decision if he wants to enter or not. What want to pay the whole price if milit uh, militia group like Hezbollah don't listen to us, don't listen to the government, unless you're asking a civil war, unless we're asking for the Lebanese army to interfere and stop Hezbollah from doing so. So why we need to pay the whole price uh, based on Hezbollah's action? Uh, I didn't understand the exact question. Well, as, as Lebanese, not, not pro-Hezbollah, why we need to pay the price if Hezbollah entered the war? Why do the Lebanese people need yeah, to pay? Because Netanyahu said he's going to bring Lebanon to the uh, Stone Age. And yeah. do, you, do you think we're all happy to see that happening in our home? Look, we know that Hezbollah does not speak for the Lebanese people, the broad, the vast majority of, of, of the people of Lebanon. We know that any more than Hamas doesn't speak for the aspirations of the vast majority of the Palestinians living in, in Gaza. We have said from the very beginning, we don't want to see any actor try to take advantage of the situation to widen or deepen the conflict. And that certainly includes Hezbollah. And that's why the president has added additional military forces to the region and more forces will be coming uh, in days and weeks ahead uh, to try to deter any actor from widening or deepening this conflict. I understand the question. I don't think at this stage it's helpful to speculate about something that hasn't happened and hopefully will not happen. What I can tell you is we know we have significant national security interests in the region, and we're going to work to protect and defend those interests with additional military capability. And any actor who's beginning to think about entering in uh, and, and widening or deepening this conflict ought to take a look uh, at, at how seriously we're taking our responsibilities. So adding more military. And so can we understand what is the job description for these two ships? Is it only to supply military aid for Israel, or also could be it possible to enter the war if if anything had break in that region? Just a, a bit of information regarding that matter. Well, first of all, it's not two ships; it's two carrier strike groups. There's a lot of ships in a strike group. I, I can speak from experience on that one. And um, you got the Gerald R. Ford strike group that's in the Eastern Mediterranean. You saw Secretary of Defense uh, Austin announce that the Eisenhower strike group, which is She's still crossing the Atlantic right now. Uh, we'll operate for a time in the Med, and then she's going to go on through uh, and into the Central Command Area Responsibility, the, the Middle East, the, the Gulf region. Um, they are there for two purposes. And I, I, I'm i going to say it again, and you're probably sick of me saying this, but it's true. One is to deter any other actor from widening, deepening this conflict. And two is to make sure that we are ready, poised, and able to protect and defend our national security interests in the region writ large. That's what they're there for. Thanks a lot, Green. John, in regards to the emergency supplemental, you've spoken before about the emergency need for funding for Ukraine. I was wondering if you can talk about what you see about the urgency for funding Israel, why that portion of the aid that you are requesting is so necessary right now. Because if, we're, if we don't get relief, John, uh, we could potentially have a lapse in our ability to provide those kinds of munitions to, to Israel. We have existing 
appropriations uh, funds available to continue to support Israel for a time, uh, for a short time. Uh, again, I can't be perfectly specific because a lot of it depends on the pace of their operations and what they're going through. Uh, we also need to make sure we have appropriations to replenish DOD stocks. We have national security interests around the world as well that we have to meet. And we've provided an awful lot out of, out of our inventory. We need to be able to replenish that. Uh, but it's 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 vitally important. And then uh, just to put a fine point on this, I mean, the 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 figure we asked for, which is like, you know, a little bit more than 14 billion, was directly after consultations with our Israeli counterparts. We didn't pull that number out of thin air. It, it absolutely uh, was a result of the conversations that we had with the Israelis about the kinds of needs that they have uh, for as long as they think they might need them. On the hostages, uh, a spokesperson for Hamas has suggested that Hamas would release all of the hostages that are in Gaza right now in exchange for a ceasefire. Do you view that as a credible offer? We got to take anything that Hamas says with a huge grain of salt. We don't take anything that they say at face value. Here's an idea, and it's just an idea I'll throw out there. They could release them all now. Just take, just let them go now because these people didn't do anything wrong. They're just innocent civilians being caught up in this conflict. Let them go now. Now, I recognize that's not gonna happen, which is why we're gonna keep working with our partners in the region to do what we can to get them released. Thank you very much, John. Um, uh, can you confirm reports uh, suggesting that the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi is planning to visit uh, Washington this week? And I was wondering if you can tell, tell us the objective of this meeting with the Chinese Foreign Minister. There's been some discussions about a, uh, some 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 uh, potential meetings uh, with uh, with Wang Yi, uh, maybe as soon as uh, um, as this week. But uh, I think uh, the State Department will have more to say about that later today. Also, on the Philippine incident with China, uh, what message is the White House sending to China about the uh, incident yesterday that happened between China and Philippines? I'm sorry. The, the vessel collusion incident that the, with the Philippines and China. What message are we sending to I mean, China? What do you say to China about this conflict? Uh, well, so you're calling it a conflict. Okay. I, I, I'm not aware of a, a collision, so I'll have to go back to the team and get some more information. Uh, but just broadly speaking, uh, we've been very clear about the intimidating, coercive, and frankly, in some cases, reckless behavior uh, by the PLA air and maritime forces, as well as their so-called Coast Guard, uh, uh, in terms of uh, bullying the navies and Coast Guards and fishing vessels uh, of neighboring states. We've been very clear that's unacceptable. It needs to stop. But I can't tell you about the specific event because this is the first I've heard of it. John, you were talking in addition to the um, carrier strike groups that there'd be more forces in the days and weeks ahead. Can you outline what you were talking about, what that might look like? No. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to know how that would be consistent with the president's promise back in 2019 that he's getting out of the forever wars if you're adding more troops. Yeah. This looks like the exact opposite. The whole reason we're sending that stuff over there is to prevent any widening or deepening of this particular war. It's all about deterrence. And you heard the Secretary of Defense talk, it's not just about naval forces, or we're adding some air defense systems uh, and some aircraft squadrons to the region as well. It's all about preventing war. It's all about preventing it. Thank you. Timeline of what that might look like? No. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Kerry. Um, there is no doubt that the US is known for human rights values around the world. 
Don't you think the U.S. has delayed this time as far as human rights are concerned what is happening in Palestine since day one? No, I couldn't disagree more with you, sir. Not at all. I mean, from, from the very beginning, early hours of this conflict, uh, we made clear, uh, not just to our Israeli counterparts, but to the American people and people around the world, that we, we take the respect for innocent life seriously. And we have been talking about the law of war since the beginning. You can go back to the first statement that the president made uh, after the attacks of October 7th and see it right there. It's been a part and parcel of every conversation that we've had. And we have been working hard. We have been spearheading the efforts to get that humanitarian assistance in. It came, those first truck convoys that Kareem talked about came after President Biden spoke to Prime Minister Netanyahu in Tel Aviv and then to President Sisi on the phone coming home on, on, uh, on Air Force One on Wednesday night to get that stuff moving. And within a couple of days, they had some road repairs they had to do. It started flowing. No, sir, we have been working uh, the, the issue of, uh, of human and civil rights and protection for innocent life since the very beginning, and that's not going to stop. And the rallies that happened in some of those countries, which are the allies of the United States, some of these rallies were in very huge numbers. Don't you think President Biden need to play a role towards peace instead of saying that he could handle two wars at a time? Does that give a good impression to fight two wars at a time instead of working towards peaceful things? From the beginning of this administration, we have been working for a more integrated, cooperative, peaceful, stable, and prosperous Middle East. And I'm not going to reiterate for you the list of accomplishments, but they're all there. I'm happy to send you an email with them. We have been working hard on trying to get uh, uh, the Middle East to be a more stable, prosperous region. That's not going to change. Now, obviously, um, you know, these attacks on October 7th were horrific. And the Israelis have a right and a responsibility to respond to those attacks. Um, I think everybody understands that. And so we also understand that the focus of countries in the region, particularly Israel, is going to be on that. It's our, it's our focus, too. But that doesn't mean we're going to give up. It doesn't mean we're just going to walk away from it. Uh, we still believe in the promise of a two-state solution, and we're still going to continue to work for that. We still believe, as a matter of fact, key to eventually getting a two-state solution is normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and we're still going to work on that as well. Why is the president not focusing in these last couple of weeks on his agenda that was basically for a two-nation theory? I feel like in the last two weeks, this war has lowered what the president was aiming to, to bring normalization through two states and that whole agenda just, seems like has been put down. I just told you, sir, there's no change in our desire to, to see a two-state solution. There's absolutely no change in, in our efforts to try to get normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia as a stepping stone to a, a two-state solution. But we're, we're not blind to reality. Right now, Israel's fighting to defend itself against Hamas terrorists, and we're trying to help them do that. Right now, the focus of the region is on what's going on. And right now, the president's focus appropriately, sir, is on trying to prevent and widen and deepen this conflict to deter a larger war so that we can get back to the table and we can move forward uh, on those uh, key diplomatic steps. Thank you. Okay. That is enough out of the White House for tonight. Don't go away. I'll be right back. The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The Antivirus Program. 
for your mind. Okay, so this lady here, Ontario Member of Provincial Parliament, Sarah Jama, has been censured and removed from the NDP caucus over her social media comments on the Israel-Gaza issue. She represents Hamilton Center in Ontario. Back on Monday, I believe of, it's going to be a week ago, right? Anyway, uh, Doug Ford's government voted in favor of a motion that not only acts as a formal disapproval of her statements, but also prevents the speaker from recognizing her until a formal apology is made. Um, social media until her social media post is deleted. So that motion today passed sixty-three to twenty-three, with the NDP voting against the censure. So. On, this is Ontario now. That's why the leader there is Maritz Stiles and uh, not Jagmeet Singh. He's federal. But the NDP leader in Ontario says the motion is undemocratic and says the Conservatives have disenfranchised the voters of Hamilton Centre. So Stiles says in a statement today that there is room for different and dissenting viewpoints in her caucus. And she says that JAMA had initially come to an agreement which included working together in good faith with no surprises. So she had come out in this social media post, as I understand it, um, in support of Palestine. And she is now threatening legal action against the premier over what she is calling defamatory remarks that accuse her of having a history of anti-Semitism and of supporting the, quote, rape and murder of innocent Jewish people. So things are getting a little bit uh, heated in the Ontario legislature, too. Um also, Tamara Litch. Here's a picture. She um, she was charged, you may recall, after going to jail, she was released, and then she had a lot of conditions attached to her release on, on bail pending her trial. Well, she's on trial now. And while she was out on bail... She was rearrested because she went to an awards ceremony and she was arrested because she was accused of breaching her bail conditions. And then she went to jail again. I think it was for an additional month in any event. Today, during her trial, the Crown decided to drop the additional charge. It's a criminal charge, actually. Um, attached to her alleged breach of bail conditions. So that charge now off, off the table. She still has to deal, though, with 
all of the other charges that they laid against her while she was at the original Freedom Convoy in, uh, in Ottawa. So that is going on tonight as well. Okay, let me take another quick break and uh, I'll get a couple more things queued up for you. I'll be right back. So we do have footage of those two hostages being released, but I'm not going to run it. It uh, is footage from that was shot by Hamas, and it is on social media. At least that's what it appears to be. Um, so not going to run that tonight. I don't think it's necessary. I can also tell you that... Uh, the amount of fake stuff coming out is just off the charts. And case in point, here it is. This was making the rounds the other night. Was this two nights ago? And I saw it. I'm not sure if we ran this footage or not. If we did, I apologize in reverse because we may have been caught by this too on the fly because I remember someone sending this to me. A couple of people sent this to me and I thought it was sent in good faith. It may have been sent in good faith, but maybe by mistake while I was on the air. I remember seeing it and this is old footage that has been recycled and was being presented as an attack on an Israeli embassy in Bahrain. But it's not the case. This uh, was spread on Telegram initially. Uh, there are some media reports that suggest this this was being this originated with um, Iran backed militias in Iraq. I don't know these and in any event, this is absolutely a, another false report. It was made to look like it was current and it was not at all. This actually dates back this footage to 2012 where, and a police station in another country was attacked with Molotov cocktails. So this was not even in Bahrain, as I understand it. In any event, if you've seen this footage and maybe you're recognizing this, this is not real. 
And that's what I've been saying for a while. Like the, uh, it feels like we're watching a movie sometimes and that's because we are. So misleading people. I also received just last night uh, in the middle of the broadcast. Again, I'm not, I, I sent to me as though it was, it was real saying that a whole bunch of U.S. embassies were under siege in places around the world. It just wasn't true. So we need to be extremely careful about what we're doing. And that I, I know now that I, I'm going to, going to need to be extra vigilant. I've had some other stuff sent to me too by some people that I really, really trusted that uh, turns out not at all, not true. So just drawing your attention to that particular piece of information, that particular video, if you're seeing that, just be aware. And uh, it's very clear that a lot of the stuff that I'm running into online from one side or the other is really meant to, uh, to get people jacked right up. So that gets us to about 7.25. Here's a uh, live feed, live video out of Gaza tonight, just to let you take a look. There were some reports of uh, possible explosions within the last hour, but at the moment, not seeing anything on these cameras to indicate that there is any kind of uh, airstrike going on, not seeing any explosions, but these feeds are running now 24 seven. Interesting how media is uh, changing the way we look at war. So that's it. Just a reminder that uh, if you are inclined, we can sure use your help. You can donate at, let me get the banner here. You can donate at uh, freedomreporters.com to support the channel, help us cover the bills. You can also donate at maverickdonations.com. And if you are over on our Rumble channels, you can support us by contributing through the Rumble Rants. Please like, share, subscribe. You know the drill on that. Hit the notification bell. If you're on our second YouTube backup channel, we're banned for a while on our first YouTube backup channel now. So we can't win for losing, but that's okay. So 7.30. So let me take another break. I'm going to set up the phones. We'll take a few calls when we come back on the other side of this. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to Bugs. 
because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News The world is watching. Okay, so we are ready to rock and roll with the phones. Here's the number to call so you can join the conversation. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Okay, folks, let's do this. Let's uh, get your phones up on the screen. Here we go. Put that there and put that there. We are ready to start taking calls. So you can join the conversation tonight. Let me put the banner up on the screen. 1-833-975-3733, 1-833-975-3733, that's 1-833-975-FREE, toll free, doesn't cost you anything to call in. Would be really good to have some new callers phone in tonight, so if you have watched the show before, or even if you're just watching for the first time tonight, if you... Uh, have been thinking of calling in and haven't done that, it would be great to hear some new voices on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, so call in, call now, call often. 1-833-975-3733. Let me see if I have anything else to talk about here while the phones kind of get uh, warmed up with people lining up here. 
Oh, there's just so much stuff out of uh, out of the Middle East. It's like it's all that anybody is talking about. Protests everywhere, man. But you know the uh, I'm honestly I'm at the point where all this stuff that I'm seeing on Twitter. I'm I'm gonna be like double and triple checking stuff off there before I run anything because it's it's at the point too where I'm seeing just stuff that's like videos calling out people for making fake videos that I think might be fake videos about the fake videos. It's it's layering on to that level. Um, okay, let's go to our. Uh, First caller of the night. Who do we have on the line? Go ahead. Hello, uh, it's Danielle from Quebec again. Hello. Uh, I, had a, a hello. I had a question uh, the other night, but I was like too shy and I forgot. Okay. <laughs> um, I wonder if they declare a war uh, with that, uh, will we avoid an election with that? Because I was wondering, maybe they want to go to war to avoid a change in government, you know? I hear people say things like that, but it, 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 even if we go to war, it does not automatically mean that we can't have an election. <clears throat> now I'm speaking about here in Canada, uh -huh. right? Because you're calling from Quebec. No, it doesn't. it does not necessarily mean that they would suspend elections. In fact, we, okay. we've, we've had we've had elections during wars in the past, so it it's it's that's okay. not necessarily the case. Okay, thank you very much. That was my question, and sure. I still wonder about it. <laughs> and uh, thanks again for your show. It's always um, very uh, interesting and good uh, input on things, you know. So uh, continue your good work and. Um, Still gonna watch. Thank you. Uh, uh, good evening, everybody. Bye bye. All right, take care. And up next, we have John on the line. Hello, John. Hi, Rick. How's it going? Where's your Where's your red shirt? My red shirt. <laughs> you had a You had a red shirt on yesterday. Oh yeah, that's like a what do you call it? A it's just a pullover thing. It was a little chilly yesterday, so. You know what would look good with that red shirt? What's that? Uh, uh, what's her name? That other girl that's on your show. Uh, Lori? Lori? Lori's red glasses. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they look so woke on her, I tell you. <laughs> well, you know. She looks really woke. If, if you've ever watched Star Trek, you know wearing a red shirt can be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she, she'd look good with black rim glasses or rimless glasses. You know, she'd look good. But the red, red glasses woke. I'm sorry, but it looks woke to me. Did she have red glasses on? Is that I, what you're saying? Not me. I would never wear red glasses. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about you. You, you, you would look good with that red shirt with the red glasses. With red glasses. No, I'm only kidding. Okay. <laughs> Not, anyways, forget about it. Do you, do you want? You uh, want? Do you want? I'll, I'll let you in on a secret, Johnny. You can't tell anybody. Um, you what? know, I do wear glasses. 
but my, I, and I just got new glasses. I have one set of glasses for like far away and I have another set of glasses for reading. Yeah. My dog. Oh, you were. My dog ate my new glasses, both, both pair. And it's been almost a year. Oh, boy. It's been almost a year. So I, I just, I haven't even bothered to get them replaced. I, I have a, a set of glasses that I just keep in the car, an old set. And I, I wear those when I drive, but I haven't even been wearing my glasses. So when I'm sitting here, if I'm reading anything and I'm doing this, it's because I'm blind as a bat and, and my dog ate my glasses. You know, most kids say their dog ate their homework, but my dog ate my glasses. I just haven't bothered because I thought he, he's done it twice. I thought, why bother getting more glasses? He'll just eat them again. I, I wear glasses for driving, but I only yeah. put them on when the weather's bad, you know, uh, yeah. otherwise. <laughs> or if I'm driving up north, there's no no street lights, you know, yeah. I put them on. You see a little sharper, that's about all. Yep. Yeah. So what's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, why, why did you call and not just talk about uh, my red uh, shirt? And uh, Al, Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. Do you think that's a fair, balanced news station? Well, John, you know, it's like what's fair and balanced. Everybody has bias. They have their slant. RT has their slant. You know, sometimes they seem pretty balanced on RT. Other times I see bias. Is the mainstream media in Canada or the U.S. slanted? by? It's all slanted one way or another. They've just got their take on it. Uh it's, I think it's important to be aware that the reporters, who's paying them, what what restrictions might be placed on them as they formulate their reports, and uh, and just be aware of it. So Al Jazeera, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have their own worldview that they bring to their reporting, and that's going to absolutely influence the uh, the perspective that you get from them. There's no question about it, but it doesn't mean that I would discount their reporting. I think they still bring valid reporting to the table for sure, but there's a bias to it a lot of the time. I, I've been I've been watching all the news stations, and uh, most accurate is uh, the Rick Rick Walker show. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, Fox News is not bad. Fox News is not bad. Uh, Al Jazeera. I've been watching that a lot in the mornings, eh? Because it's fresh, and uh, uh, they showed this one thing I've never seen in any other stations. Uh, this is why I'm, I'm asking. Uh, they showed someone had a video of that rocket that hit that hospital, and and, and it was coming from Israel, and yeah. and they showed a map from the direction they figure it was launched. It was in, in Israel. And someone had a video of the rocket landing, mm -hmm. and, and there was no explosion in the air. It actually hit the ground and exploded. So there was no, no, nothing took it out. It just, it was a direct precision. Israel's got some of the best weapons in the world, okay? Accurate. They're, they're very precise. They're like the U U.S., they, they, they could hit your doorstep, you know? Yeah. So did this Stuff video, I didn't fish. see, I don't think I've seen that video 
Was this where it was on Al Jazeera? I've been, I've been looking everywhere for. Is is this where the 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 where it hit the parking lot, not the building? That's right. Hit the, they showed the parking lot, and and someone had a video when it landed, and and, and uh, uh, it was a phone video, but the explosion did not explode in the air. It hit the ground and exploded. But anyhow, we're ne- John, you know what, man? Me. I don't think we're ever going to know the truth about what happened with that hospital. No, 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 no. You know, no. it's like they're all liars. Yeah, and you know, even if the if if one of those reports is true, there are five others that give a different account. To, and and by injecting these propaganda, these the false information. It clouds the, the truth, and then nobody really knows. And that's one of the tactics that's used in uh, in information warfare. So we there's it gets to the point where you, you just you can't know. There's always a question. Well, something something don't smell right. And then uh, another thing they said, which made a lot of sense also, is uh, uh, Israel is banning. They're taking down all these videos of of uh, of Gaza, uh, all the all the action there. Mm-hmm. No reporters are allowed in there. Mm-hmm. All the all the uh, uh, information on social media is all being taken down. Mm-hmm. They're suppressing us. It's like they don't want us to know the re- the truth. They're they're saying fifty one hundred people have died, and half of them are kids, right? Mm-hmm. Which saddens me, and you know, I don't. I don't like to hear the kids getting hurt. They, they show a lot of these people there with their losses of their kids. On, on well, the yeah, but the, you know, in war with information warfare, um, they they they're always going to talk about the kids because that tugs at the heartstrings. Um, they'll amplify yes, it, exaggerate it, sometimes even outright lie about it, like all the beheaded babies, right? Which turned out to be a oh yeah, that's another one. But they never yeah, never showed that. They didn't show that, but they showed they're all getting decapitated. It, it, it's it's pretty pretty yeah. awful. Oh, it is pretty show. awful. No no question about it. But uh, well, I've I've got a rule of thumb when it comes to propaganda. And that is as soon as they start talking about children, whether yep. it's in politics or in war, be very, very wary. Be yeah, very, very, very skeptical. As soon but as they start talking I, I, I about children. I watch it in the mornings. So, yeah. anyways. In fact, you know, when I... The other I, thing I, when, was... I, I actually, yeah. just a point. When I was involved in, in helping with a political campaign as a campaign manager, which I'm not anymore because I'm sitting here. But in the past, I had people on the campaign team saying, let's do a thing in a park with a bunch of kids. And I was like, nope, because that was a rule for me. (laughs) It was like, we don't bring kids into the politics. That was a rule for me because the kids leave them out of it. As far as I'm concerned, if, if you can, right. Unless it's something specifically related to a, a child in a school setting or whatever, and then deal with it on the political level. But I don't like seeing children exploited in any way. So I had a hard rule. No, we will not be using kids as part of any rally or protest. We will not be putting them out in front. 
like, nope, not going to use kids because kids are kids and they're not adults. They can't really speak for themselves. They don't have the tools yet. They're not educated. They can just be told what to say. And it can be a very effective political tool. But for me, it was a hard rule. No kids involved in the campaign. Yeah, but they're saying half of them are kids. Like, how yeah. accurate can that be? I don't know. I don't know how accurate. But again, it's what Hitler did to the Jews, the Jews are now doing to the uh, Palestine. Like, that that guy had on the other night, uh, the old guy, he, he, he was full of bullshit. A lot of it was bullshit. I was listening to him. And so which guy? He, Sir, which guy? That old guy you had on there. Yeah, yeah it was the last guy. night or the night before. This old guy? He... he Oh, I'm outside right now. But Which he, guy? Uh, well, he like we... he doesn't like Palestine. He 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 was yeah. on the he was on the Jew yes. side. Yesterday side? Uh, yes, yesterday or the day before? He had two guys on. Yesterday he had a guy with long hair. He was pretty cool. But mm -hmm. the guy before him, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Joseph Leonard. Joseph, that's yeah. him. Yeah, he, he he was full of bullshit. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, and I was reading the reading the comments, and a lot of people were saying the same thing. <laughs> but uh, sounded like he he had he, he was on uh, what is that? Is there a skunk out here? The light came on. I, I get skunks. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I I, I, I this, it's like what the Jews are doing now is what Hitler did to the Jews. They're just you know. Bombing innocent people. This is what I don't like. But anyways, yeah, well, I don't like let them either. carry on. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, no, you have... no excuse for uh, targeting civilians. It's a war crime mm -hmm. on both sides. So anybody doing it is well, committing a war doing. crime. And just because one side does it doesn't justify the other side doing Big that. Time. Now, when we listen to John Kirby... Admiral Kirby in that news conference, he speaks about the retaliation in terms of attacking Hamas. But um, what does that mean if they're p positioning themselves in a in uh, an apartment building with with equipment mm -hmm. or putting weapons right next to it? Does that then make the apartment building a legitimate military target when you have civilians in it that are being used as human shields? You know that this is a question for. Um, a legal professional who specializes in war crimes. Uh, to me, I, you know, I, this I believe is the army problem. guy you had on there, that army guy, the video that Lori played, that was a good one. The army guy there. Army, that, guy, army uh, guy. The the guy from U.S. There. Uh, yeah, you have one you show all the time. Scott Ritter. He's a good weapon guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ritter. That mm -hmm. guy's intelligent. And I think his information is more accurate than anything else. I believe him. That, that guy I trust, you know. Mm -hmm. And what he was saying, uh, Joseph didn't even want to talk about what he was saying. <laughs> you know, he just like, went over his head. Goodbye. No, no, I don't want to talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. and. Well, Joseph it, is, is on the opposite side of the fence to, to Scott Ritter on this issue. Yeah, it, And he's, it, uh, he's a conservative. He's a MAGA guy. He, uh, he's Republican Ritter. He's on the me. Palestine side. 
well, these days with the situation in the Middle East, the uh, the uh, the alliances the, where people are falling on this issue um, might not make sense to some people. No, it's uh, it's divisive, but people are not lining up necessarily in in the way that people might expect. A lot of reasons for that. Yeah, even even the comments people like Ritter say, and yeah, I was right. Anyways, I'll let you go. One one more mm-hmm. thing is that new Exorcist movie is supposed to be really scary. And uh, I hear people are wearing diapers to the theaters. <laughs> God, uh, no. Yeah, I'm serious. Oh. It's going to probably smell like, uh, smell like baby's baby well, This is a repeat of the... Of the, uh, of the public <laughs> relations blitz that came with the original Exorcist movie in, uh, I guess it was the 1970s, right, with Linda Blair. And I remember when that movie first hit theaters, there were all kinds of me- media reports, and they were out at the theaters and interviewing people as they were, you know, coming out of the theater. How scary was it? And and people were talking about yeah. you know, almost having heart attacks. And they had ambulances showing up at the theaters to take people away. And, uh, you know, in hindsight. That was scary, that I, movie. I, I That's probably the the most scariest movie made. Uh, but, like, I, I, I don't, uh, people are wearing diapers. That's what I'm hearing now. They're mm. wearing adult, ad, adult dri- diapers to the theaters to watch that movie. So, okay. I, I, personally, I'd rather watch it at home. I get more scared than watching it in a theater, you know? In yeah. In a theater, yeah. all you hear is... It's, you know, I'm waiting for it to watch it at home. Anyways. Okay, John. I carry on. Okay. Nice show. Good show, Rick. Thank uh, we'll oh, I got, I got your letter and and I've and that picture of the, the Firebird. And, uh, oh, again, the Firebird. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have it here. I think that was a 67 convertible. And, uh, I, I have to say, um, it's, it was, it's much nicer than the one that I had when I was young. Mine was kind of a beater, but uh, it was still okay. Yeah, but it'd still be worth a lot today if you had it. Oh Even yeah, it was a beater. <laughs> mine, mine was mine was a, a mine, mine mine was a mid seventies, but that one there that was a pretty sweet one in the picture. I'll send you some more. Okay, <laughs> I'll send you some more. You uh, like those cars? I like cars. I I'm a car yeah. guy. I I, yeah. I grew up I grew up with uh, cars and hanging around people with. Slick tires and quarter mile quarter mile cars and yeah. Hemis and it was just amazing sitting in the passenger just just the the thrust you get from these things you know yeah it was uh, today today it's all the fun's all gone those days are you know like singing those old songs like bubblegum music I'd oh, like to be back I don't know John there's some pretty sweet rides out there get yourself all you have yeah. to do all you well, have to today, do. Yeah, just go out there and get yourself a five-liter Mustang, and uh, and you're all set. Four hundred <laughs> over four hundred and twenty-five horsepower, right out of the box. No turbocharger, normally aspirated. That's more horsepower than an old nineteen sixties NASCAR race car. And uh, you can melt the tires <laughs> up the back of those things. Just go do that, or get yourself a Dodge Challenger or something with a with a Hemi in it. There's all kinds of cool stuff to, you can get. And do it now There's before Leo. the before the gasoline engines are all gone. Oh yeah, well, I'm not a collector. 
the only thing I collect is uh, gold and coins. <laughs> That's the yeah. only thing I collect. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, there's Leo. Hey, Leo, Detroit's going to win this week. So there you go. <laughs> I had them last week. I knew they were going to lose. They're going to win. But the Red Wings are pretty hot. I've been making a lot of money on the Red Wings. They're 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 playing good this year. Mm. Leo's a Detroit guy. He, he's he's right at the border there, I guess. Eh? Yeah, he's right. Sits, he, he goes, sits right there in Windsor, right on the uh, right yeah, on the yeah. Detroit River. He takes his uh, takes his boat out there, or whatever it's that, uh, that thing. Yeah, I seen him on that thing. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> The sea do or whatever I think he's got. It seems like a lot of fun, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank uh, you, John. I want to listen to some more callers. Okay. All right. All right. Here's Lynn up next. Take care. Hello, Lynn. How are you? Rick, how's it going? It's going okay. How are you? Uh, you know, I had better nights. I had an experience tonight. Uh-oh. I was making breakfast for supper. And I like beans with it, like molasses bean with the pork in it, right? Yeah. I opened the first can of Heinz. That's the only really processed food that I buy. Uh, yeah, open it. No pork, crickets. Come on. And I'm just like, maybe there was just a mistake. I opened the second can, the same thing. The third can, I'm returning to Metro. <laughs> You found so yeah, it's here. You found crickets. It's not in even your on beans. Yeah, no, no, and, and it advertised molasses with pork. Yeah, no pork, crickets, and it's not even in the ingredient. Like, like they're supposed not, to. So, it. are you you're telling me that you opened a can of beans and there was like a, a whole cricket? Yes, or just actually one? a couple, a couple, three of body parts, legs. Really? Did you take yeah. did you take yeah. pictures of it? No, I kind of threw up on it. Okay. But I've got the other can and I'm bringing it to Metro. <laughs> All right. So that that's the end of uh me buying beans. And I wish that uh, the whole family was here because, you know, making beans is like a lot. So they didn't and, put that uh, piece of that you did. They didn't put the little piece of pork in it the way that some of them do. Nope, no pork. Hmm. Total false advertisement. They should have put, you know, Heinz beans, molasses, and crickets, not molasses and pork. Okay. Well, it's just I'm sorry. I'm just really upset. I have so bug allergy. Sorry, are you returning? You're re the, is this an unopened can you're 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 taking back to Metro? Yeah, yeah, I bought three at once okay. last Friday. And so you're taking one of them back. So I went through, and I just thought like maybe the first one was like an accident, and my stomach's already up in my throat. So I ditch it, like you know, just like, Bleh. and I opened the next one, and then that I lost everything. Okay. Um, well, I you know, and there's nothing in there. There's nothing in the in the ingredient list saying that there's crickets, whether it's in Latin or not. 
Nothing there. Where do you live? What city? Uh, I'm close. I'm, I'm an hour away from Ottawa. I'm in Avonmore. Okay. Well, I'm close to Cornwall. I'm half, I'm between Cornwall and Castleman where Monklin is. Mm-hmm. I'm right there. And you still have your third can. Well, I'd be very interested yeah, in going. To, 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 for some sort of proof for our viewers. I would love to see you open, take the unopened can and then take a can opener so that it's sealed and then take the can opener, open it up and dump it out on video, unedited, raw footage. And, and if there's a that would be really there, sweet, but then, then we'd have, I don't have the technology to do that. No, no, I like I'm 60 and, uh, you know, I do woodworking, carving, uh, you know, restoration of antiques. I, I got no time for this stuff. I sit down and watch you. Okay. Well, maybe I'll go to That's the, my end uh, of the day. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll go to the grocery store and, uh, and buy a few cans of beans and, and do an investigative report. It's Heinz. Okay. Well, I'll buy some Heinz beans and we'll open them and see if we find any crickets. Yeah, because like two cans in a row, that 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 threw me off. Like the odd time you get you know, one, you, and you just you know, like the other, the other thing is that to make a a statement like that without some sort of proof, I I could actually get sued by Heinz if it isn't true. Oh, it's true. <laughs> okay, I don't think they'll sue me, but I'm just saying it's. Uh, it's pretty damaging to their reputation to say something like that. So if we don't have proof to back it up, then the company could come after me, right? Well, no, they'll come after me. Just send them my way. I'll deal with them. I'm in full blown menopause and I'll go after (laughs) them. All right. I've heard that before too, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll go get some Heinz beans. Now I'm reluctant to eat them. If even if I open them and don't find any crickets in there though. Man, I usually love them from, from, uh, you know, with breakfast, like Mm. breakfast or supper, but now that's out the window. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's just the onions and green peppers and some carrots. At least I know there's no bugs there. At least we hope not. At least we hope not. Yeah. I'm just in shock. So, uh, (laughs) I've never experienced this before. So yeah, so, so yeah, the crickets were like it wasn't like a whole cricket; it was like broken up into pieces, but you could recognize what it was. No, there was one that was whole, missing its legs, and uh, the other ones were body parts. Hmm. The other pieces were body parts, and I'm just like, okay, maybe it was a mistake. I open the next can and I pour it out onto a plate, and I'm just like, it's not a mistake. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. A few people in the chat here seem to be skeptical. But that's why we need proof. Well, they can come to Avonmore and I can serve them some beans if they'd like. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know if, Anyways, even, if, even, if, I, even if I went and bought some, me. might not get the, the desired result here with crickets being poured out because it could be from an entirely different lot. Right. I don't know. But uh, I don't know how many cans. Oh, uh-huh, if you want Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll we'll have to take you at your word, I guess. Yeah, it says good to twenty twenty five. I don't know what the lot number. I don't know nothing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it on the the barcode? I don't know. 
years ago, I found bugs in spaghetti, like just the, the uncooked pasta. You know, you buy in the plastic yeah. bags. They were like, I don't know what they were. They were like little little tiny bugs that were buzzing around inside the, the package. Oh, um, almost like but, mites of some sort. Yeah, or something weird like that. I mean, I took that, that stuff back. Um, and I threw away some rotten potatoes yesterday. But that they didn't come from the grocery store that way. They just got that way in my cupboard. Ah, uh, so. I keep them in the fridge. They last longer. Yeah, I should do that. I should definitely do that. They cook faster too. When they cook faster fridge, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to cook at the university in Ottawa, St. Paul's University, and I cooked in a couple of residences. And yeah, you keep them nice and cold, and and all the starch drops out of it. It goes to the bottom of whatever. Like if you peel them and you put them in water, put them in your fridge. You're gonna cook them later to, in the day. All the starch will go to the bottom of your bucket. Hmm. Good tip. Very good tip. Well, I'll, I'll be putting mine in the refrigerator from now on then. And since I cook a lot, and I used to cook a lot for a living, uh, yeah, that was really offensive dinner. <laughs> well, I appreciate the call very much, and I'll be on the lookout. Just for giving a heads up for anybody buying Heinz. That's all. Okay. Mind you, it could be in all of them now. Who knows? Well, I hope it wasn't intentional. Uh, I hope it was just like a, a couple of errant crickets that, uh, you know, stowaways in your in your can of beans. In separate cans. Yeah. Like, I believe that. All right. All I'll right. let you go. But right, I needed to unload that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you, have a, you have a good night. You too. Appreciate the call. Okay, bye. Take care. And with that, we're going to wrap up for the night. A little bit early tonight. It's 8 p.m. And, uh, yeah, that's okay. Somebody's saying, get her to send me the last can. Well, um, no guarantee that even that would be uh, cricket infested. Or that you get the bonus crickets. I guess that's the way to look at it these days, right? Extra protein. In your crickets, in your in your beans, extra protein instead of the pork. Now it's it. Now it's uh, crickets and beans, crickets and beans. Maybe I don't know. I think maybe I'll go to the store and buy a few cans of Heinz beans, and uh, we'll do an investigative report. Wow, that's what it's come to, though, folks. So again, you can donate at maverickdonations.com or also freedomreporters.com. And we appreciate you guys joining us here on the program again tonight. Always a privilege. And I will be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the flip side. Catch you all tomorrow. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.